نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah we praise him seek his assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds whoever Allah guides there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray there is no one that can guide him i bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshiped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and i bear witness that muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger <clears throat> i'd like to begin this evening now first session of the islamic creed training course number 4 which will deal with the sharh of kitab at-tawhid alladhi huwa haqqullah Al-Abid the book of tawhid or the explanation of the book of tawhid and that tawhid it is that which is the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon his servants the whole of humanity by al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab ibn Sulaiman at-Tamimi an-Najdi rahimahullah who was born in the year 1115 of the Hijrah and died in the year 1206 in this first lecture bi idhnillahi ta'ala we would like to make some introductory remarks concerning the subject of our study the book that we will be using and some brief biography of the author first we will discuss at tawhid definition divisions and importance then the book that we will study kitab at-tawhid and its explanation the text of the book the shuruh or the books of explanation that have been written explaining this book kitab at-tawhid and also the translations that have been made into the english language uh also the biography of the author Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah some brief things concerning his birth and education his mission and so on and then a brief explanation or biography very very brief biography of the walikussalam the author of the explanation that we will primarily rely upon though there are many books of explanation of kitab at-tawhid the one that we will primarily rely upon is by Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Aziz Al-Sulaiman Al-Qara'awi Allah yahfazhu and please take note of the fact that at the end of the questionnaire study guide there are questions and those questions 
should be answered, preferably in writing. To be sure, where the topic has been understood, <coughs> and of course, understanding the topic is the purpose of our study. The first thing that we will look at is a tawheed, and there's a handout in front of you on the second sheet after the questionnaire study guide, the Islamic Creed, Al-Aqidah, and Al-Tawheed. And these are brief notes, merely meant to help you to follow the topic, and also that you may refer back to them, in order at least to understand these matters properly, and perhaps even to memorize some portions of what we have studied, so that it will not only be of benefit to yourself, but it will also be benefit to others. Al-Aqidah, linguistically, it is derived from the Arabic word Aqada, which means to tie, knot, or fasten, or consolidate. This is on the second sheet after the questionnaire study guide. It means to tie, or to fasten. Therefore, Al-Aqidah, according to the scholars of Islam, is the firm creed or belief that one's heart is fixed upon without any wavering or doubt. Yani our aqidah is that which we have a firm conviction in and there's no doubt about what we believe in and this condition of being of certainty about what we believe in it is only a condition that one is able to achieve based upon knowledge. And therefore, we place emphasis on the study of Al-Aqidah so that what the Muslims say they believe in, it will be based on knowledge and certainty and not just on tradition that have been passed down from ancestors. Also, Al-Aqidah signifies the things that one believes in or has Iman in. Hence, the two words Aqidah and Iman are sometimes synonymous. Thus, Aqidah is comprised of those things that the heart is tied to or fastened to, worshipping Allah by it and getting closer to Allah, according to the Book of Allah and the authentic Sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The beliefs that are part of Iman and part of Aqidah include primarily the Arkan of Iman, that is the belief in Allah and the angels, the books and the messengers, the last day, and Al-Qadr, Al-Qadr wal-Qadha, fate and divine decree, a Muslim should believe in this qadr, that is, whatever happens, whether good or bad, we must believe in it. That it is that which has been measured, ordained or fixed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his creatures, according to his previous knowledge, wisdom and will. And it is what Allah knew would happen previously, even before it happens. And it is based on a wisdom that maybe only Allah knows why some things happen, whether we understand it or not. We know that whatever Allah allows to happen, whatever He wills to happen, whatever He decrees to happen, it is based on wisdom. It is not haphazard, but it is based on His wisdom, which is perfect. And also, it only happens by His will, His mashia, or irada. As for tawheed, tawheed linguistically is from the word wahada yuwahidu. This is a verbal form, wahada yuwahidu which means to make one or to be united. Linguistically, it means to make something one or to be united. However, we should be aware that the technical meaning of a tawheed, it is not to make something one. 
or to unite something that was disunited. But it is the acknowledgement or the confession of the oneness or the unity or the more precisely the uniqueness, the uniqueness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he is unique and alone in certain characteristics such as his knowledge or power etc. and also rights such as the right to be worshipped alone and these characteristics or these rights they are exclusive to Allah alone. This is the meaning of Tawheed. It means to acknowledge that Allah is the only one, that He is alone and unique in possessing these characteristics or in having the right to these, uh, these rights. They belong to Allah alone and that is His exclusive right. Many of the scholars of Islam use the word Tawheed for all the matters that a person must believe in. Yani many of the scholars refer to the aqidah in general. They refer to it by the word Tawheed. And this is because the most important of, of these matters, the most important of what a Muslim is required to believe in, the most important of it is Tawheed. Yani the belief that Allah is unique and alone in being the one who has the power and authority over the universe and that He alone is the all-knowing and all-wise and powerful and that He alone deserves to be worshipped. This belief is the most important thing that a Muslim is required to believe in and everything else is secondary after that. For this reason, many of the scholars of Islam refer to aqidah in general by the word Tawheed. Tawheed is contained in the phrase La ilaha illallah, which is the essence of Islam. Yani the meaning of Tawheed, it can be understood in this expression, which is the foundation of Islam. It is the essence of Islam. The core of Islam, it is the word or the expression La ilaha illallah, that nothing has the right to be worshipped except Allah. As for the divisions of a Tawheed, we must know that the three parts of Tawheed, believing in Allah's Lordship, His Rububiyyah, and His attributes and names, His Sifat and His Asma, Asma'ullah wa Sifatihi, and that He alone has the right to be worshipped, the Tawheed of Al-Ubudiyyah, also referred to as Tawheed Al-Ibadah, and also referred to as Tawheed Al-Uluhiyyah. All of this, the meaning of it is the same, and all of these aspects of the Tawheed of Allah are one whole unit that is indivisible. Yani all of this is part of Tawheed. It is only aspects, various aspects of what is required in the belief of Tawheed. It is required that a person believe in acknowledge, acknowledging Tawheed, they must believe that Allah alone is the Rabb. And they must acknowledge that Allah alone possesses the perfect names and characteristics. And they must believe that Allah alone deserves to be worshipped. All of this is one, but they are various aspects of At-Tawheed. They are the cornerstone. These aspects of Tawheed are the cornerstone of correct belief and the correct meaning of La ilaha illallah. None is worthy of worship except Allah. And not as some people who put themselves forward as scholars of Islam and claim and explain that the meaning of Tawheed is that Allah is the only creator. But in fact, this is only an aspect of Tawheed. That Allah is the only Rabb, the one who created everything and who nourishes everything and who controls the universe. This is only an aspect of Tawheed. And even the Mushrik pagans of Mecca, they used to acknowledge this. But Tawheed is more than that. It is also the acknowledgement of the perfection of Allah and the uniqueness of Allah and His names and characteristics and most importantly His right to be worshipped alone. Whoever believes in the one God must also confirm or acknowledge His names 
and attributes mentioned in his book Al-Quran and on the tongue of his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the authentic sunnah. Also one must believe that Allah alone is the one who is called in supplication and the only one to be offered any type of worship both inward and outward including prayers, fasting, charity, sacrifice, vows, love, fear or dependence and reverence. All of these things are aspects of worship and all of them belong to Allah alone. And what is meant by Tawheed is not merely Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. Yani Tawheed al-Rububiyyah is, is not what is meant by Tawheed, but it is only one of the aspects of a Tawheed. Then we mentioned here the three branches of Tawheed. In brief, the first of them, Tawheed al-Rububiyyah, Allah's uniqueness, that He is alone in His Lordship or Tawheed of Allah with regard to His actions which affect His creation. Yani the Tawheed of Rububiyyah, it is the uniqueness of Allah in reference to His Lordship, that He is the only Rabb. And it also means the Tawheed of Allah with regard to His actions which affect the creatures. It means that the actions of Allah, His action of creation and His action of giving life and death and sustaining the creation these are the actions of Rububiyyah. So Tawheed al-Rububiyyah, it is in reference to the actions of Allah towards His creatures, that He created them, that He nourishes them, that He gives them life and causes death and so on. This is Tawheed al-Rububiyyah, the actions of Allah in reference to His Rububiyyah over His creation. Where is the Tawheed of Ubudiyyah or Tawheed of Uluhiyyah? It is the actions of the creatures towards Allah, the opposite, the worship of Allah by prayers and fasting and so on, by love and fear and hope and supplication, the actions of the creature towards Allah is Tawheed al-Uluhiyya or Ubudiyya, the ibadah of the creatures for Allah. Whereas Tawheed al-Rububiyya is the actions of Allah towards His creatures, creating and nourishing and sustaining them. Tawheed al-Rububiyya, it is the firm conviction that Allah alone is the Lord of everything and its owner creator, sustainer and provider, cause of harm and giver of benefit. He alone gives life and causes death. He alone controls, organizes, plans and arranges all affairs. The one who does whatever he wills with his creation. Allah has no partner in his sovereignty. No one can reject his command and no one can amend his rulings. He has no rival, no one similar to him nor anyone with equal qualities. No one can contest or challenge him in any aspect of his rububiyyah, nor anything of al-muqtadiyat, meaning that which necessarily results from his names and qualities or characteristics. Yani the muqtadiyat of Allah's names and characteristics, it means what is the result of these names if we believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he is al-qawi, he is Strong. What does it mean? It means that yani the muqtadiyat of that is how does it affect the creation? It means that we understand that our relationship with Allah is the relationship of one who is weak towards one who is strong. And likewise, al-alim, it means that Allah has knowledge of everything. What is the muqtadiyat of that? It means that Allah knows what we are doing. And Allah knows everything that is happening everywhere at every time and so on. So this is... Uh, part of the effects of believing in Allah's names and characteristics as they result or as they affect His creatures 
And this is, these are the actions, this also relates to the actions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala towards His creatures. Incorporated in this Tawheed is the belief in predestination. Or for lack of a better word, any divine decree or pre-measurement or pre-ordainment or whatever, Al-Qadr al-Qadr. Al-Qadr al-Qadr is an aspect of Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. Because it deals with Allah's power over everything. And that nothing happens in His universe except by His will. Except that He wills it and He decrees it. So this Qadr al-Qadr is also part of Rububiyyah. That is the conviction that every happening issues from the knowledge, will, and power of Allah, the one who is free from all imperfections. In other words, this Tawheed means attesting that Allah is the absolute executor of actions in the universe. Through creation, organization, administration, enforcement of change, increase or decrease, provisions of life and death and other actions in which none is associated with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there are some references here from the Quran in reference to Tawheed which confirm it and explain it in more detail. As for Tawheed al-Uluhiyya, Allah's uniqueness in singling him out with the acts of worship or Tawheed of Allah by the actions of the creatures, their worship of him. Tawheed al-Uluhiyya, it is singling Allah out as being the one who alone has the right to be worshipped or it means the actions of the creatures which are given to Allah alone. That he is alone to, that he alone is to be worshipped both inward and outward. Yani the worship that is seen as well as the worship that is not seen. The fear that is in the heart or the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the hope in Allah that is not seen. These are also acts of ibadah. That all forms of worship, prayer, dua, supplication, prostration, oath taking, sacrifice, charity, fasting, pilgrimage are for him alone and may not be directed to any other. Not even a pious person, prophet, angel idols, sun or moon, or any kind of false deities. So prayer, so pray to none but Allah, invoke none but Allah, and ask for help from none but Allah. This type of Tawheed is called Tawheed of Godhood, or Tawheed of worship. Yani Tawheed of Uluhiyyah, meaning that the Ilah, it is Allah alone. Or Tawheed Al-Ubudiyyah, meaning that Ibadah is for Allah alone. Al-Ubudiyyah is the term that is used from the perspective of the human being. From our perspective, we say Tawheed al-Ubudiyyah because all of the ibadah, we are giving it to Allah. From Allah's perspective, we say Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah because Allah alone is the one who is the ilah or the one that deserves to be worshipped, the one who is divine. So these two terms, the meaning are the same but they are looking at it from different perspectives. If we think of ourselves as da'ab then we say Tawheed al-Ubudiyah. And if we look at Allah as the Ilah al-Ilah, then we say Tawheed al-Uluhiyah. And all of it, it means the same. The reality of this Tawheed is the faith in the angels, in Allah, His angels, His books, His messengers, the hereafter and preordainment, the good and evil consequences thereof. It also includes getting closer to Allah by recognizing, acknowledging and confessing the Tawheed al-Uluhiyah or the Tawheed of Ibadah with the Tawheed al-Ubudiyya, confessing it, recognizing it, understanding and believing in it, for it is the foundation and basis of Tawheed. Yani the Tawheed al-Ubudiyya is the Tawheed or the type or the aspect of Tawheed that was the problem between the Prophets and the people who they were sent to. Even the pagans acknowledged Tawheed al-Ubudiyya. They acknowledged that Allah is the only Creator. But the problem for them was worshipping Allah alone. The problem was in this type of Tawheed 
Tawheed al-Ubudiyya. And this is the problem even with the people today. Unfortunately, even with the Muslims who acknowledge that Allah is alone. He is alone as the creator and lord of everything. But yet they worship others besides Allah calling on the dead so-called saints or whatever, whomever they call on and whatever they believe in and put their trust in other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the various aspects of shirk. Then after the above belief, yani believing in these things, which is the basis of, uh, yani the basis of Tawheed, one completely, yani after believing in it, one must completely submit to Allah with his heart. This is the power of turning to Allah by loving Him, fearing Him, hoping in Him and all the other deeds of the heart. Then one fulfills the command to perform the prayers, both the obligatory and voluntary prayers, and the other actions of ibadah such as zakat and charity and fasting and hajj and umrah and jihad in the way of Allah and calling to the way of Allah and commanding the good and forbidding the wrong and so on. All of these, whether in speech or actions, open or, or unseen. And one fulfills the rights of Allah and the rights of other humans. Also, not only the rights of Allah, but the rights of the people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to them and has legislated also have to be fulfilled. Both obligatory and recommended. And, and likewise, one must avoid anything which is displeasing to Allah and His Messenger or forbidden and reprehensible acts. In all of that, He is sincere or must be sincere and pure to Allah. Yani, he must have al-ikhlaq in doing these things. Otherwise, they will not be accepted. Uh, and then there's mention here of al-ikhlas, the need for ikhlas, which yani, negates shirk when someone does any act of worship for Allah alone. And likewise, al-mutaba'ah, that is following strictly or adherence to the example of the Prophet ﷺ, which eliminates and negates bid'ah or innovation. And likewise, al-sidq. Yani which negates laziness, being, yani, uh, being strong and, and efficient in the, these acts, yani not taking them lightly, but being firm and taking them seriously in whatever we do for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And finally, we mentioned Tawheed and Asma wa Sifat. And this aspect of Tawheed we have discussed in length and in detail in the last course under the introduction and the first half of Lumat al-Atiqad by Imam Ibn Qudam rahimahullah and we only mentioned it here in brief as a reminder the Tawheed of Asma wa Sifat that is Allah's uniqueness that He is alone with regard to His names and attributes and this means that we believe in all of the names and attributes by which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described Himself in His book or upon the tongue of His Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yani confessing and admitting and acknowledging whatever of the names and characteristics which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has confirmed in the Qur'an and whatever has been confirmed by the Prophet Muhammad in the authentic hadith confirming all of these things without denying their meanings or twisting their meanings or without asking the how of it or trying to explain the how of it without imagining Allah's hand to be like that of any of his creation yani making comparison or tashbih and we do not plead ignorance of the meaning of the word hand this means that all of these things are also aspects of Tawheed al-Asma wa Sifat that we shouldn't make uh, any negation, nafi of Allah's names, nor should we make uh, tahrif or distorting or twisting the meanings of Allah's names, nor taqeef, explaining the how of them or asking the how of Allah's names and attributes which are only known to Him, nor should we 
claim that no one knows the meaning of these things because the meanings of them are known but what is not known is the how how is it exactly for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but the meanings we don't claim to be ignorant of those things which Allah has affirmed for himself such as his hand or his face or his ascending or descending or whatever has been confirmed in the Quran and Sunnah it means the meaning that is well known in the Arabic language as for the how of it this is um, what is known only to Allah and then there's the mention of the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Shura chapter 42 verse 12 there's nothing like unto him and he is the all hearer the seer لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٌ وَهُوَ السَّمِيلُ that nothing is like Allah so we cannot compare anything to Allah nor accept anything to be similar or equal to him while at the same time while we negate any comparison to him we affirm that Allah indeed has the characteristics which he has confirmed for himself such as hearing and seeing whatever else is mentioned in the Quran and Sunnah so here under Tawheed al-Asma al-Sifat there is the principle of Ithbat and the principle of Nafi that is we negate any comparison or equal with Allah while at the same time affirming those characteristics which he has confirmed for himself the Tawheed al-Rububiyyah the first type which we mentioned necessitates the belief in Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah and this is also applicable to the Tawheed of Asma wa Sifat whoever believes in the Tawheed of Rububiyyah that Allah alone is the Lord and Tawheed al-Asma wa Sifat that he is unique and alone in his characteristics and names this necessitates their confession and acknowledgement that he alone deserves to be worshipped if he is the only creator and the one who has power over everything and he is the one who has the perfect characteristics then who should be worshipped along with him so this necessitates the belief in Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah that is whoever believes in Allah as the Rabb as described above and confesses, he confesses by necessity that no one deserves to be worshipped except Allah no one else could possibly deserve to be worshipped except Allah and he therefore calls on Allah alone and seeks his help alone and trust in him alone and dedicates the legitimate acts of worship to Allah alone uh, after this brief mention of the meaning of Al-Aqeedah and Al-Tawheed and the aspects, the various aspects of Tawheed just briefly we want to mention something related to the importance of Al-Tawheed and indeed the importance of Tawheed perhaps indirectly is known to all Muslims indirectly but many Muslims do not reflect on its importance and therefore have neglected the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in reference to this uh, aspect of the aqidah of Islam that is the confession and acknowledgement and implementation of a tawheed in their lives one of the people of knowledge mentioned concerning Tawheed and Shirk that in order to revive the glory and honor for ourselves and our Ummah we must understand the Tawheed and Shirk establishing the former at Tawheed and calling people to it and avoiding the latter that is a Shirk and warning people from it and in order to establish the honor and glory and to raise up the Muslim Ummah it is a necessity that we attend to these two matters the establishment of Tawheed and calling to it and the warning against and the avoiding of a shirk we must make the basis we must make this the basis for all of our actions it, it is the primary thing that we should attend to we should not be influenced by the immature and hasty actions of those who like to establish Islam 
Islam in an abnormal way, thereby entering the house from the back. Only with continued patience and ceaseless efforts to educate the Ummah in the basics and fundamentals of our deen would we hope for a true and everlasting victory. And the meaning here that he is alluding to are those people who want to establish Islam through a way other than the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah that is establishing the true deen, establishing the tawheed and demolishing the shirk and establishing the sunnah and demolishing the bid'ah but instead they want to take over the government by force and then force Islam on the people. But the right way to establish Islam is through patiently persevering in establishing the Tawheed and the Sunnah and calling people to it and this is the way that Islam will be raised up. If we do this with sincerity, only seeking Allah's pleasure, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will surely grant us the promised benefits and fruits of this noble knowledge that is the knowledge of Tawheed and the avoidance of Shirk. And likewise, that which confirms the importance of Tawheed is that which was mentioned by Sheikh Abdurrahman al-Sa'adi and it was quoted by Sheikh Abdul Razak Ibn Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad Hafizahumullah, may Allah protect and preserve both of them the Sheikh mentions here or quotes from the words of Sheikh Abdurrahman al-Sa'adi rahimahullah concerning the merits of al-Tawheed and the merits of the Shahada of La Ilaha Illallah a number of points which are only a few of those things which show the importance of this topic of Tawheed to every Muslim and the sacrifice and dedication that a Muslim should offer to learning this knowledge, understanding it, implementing it in their lives and then calling others to it. He says that the testimony for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of his wahdaniyyah, that he is unique and alone in every type of ibadah that there are many tremendous and great benefits based upon this testimony and many virtues that cannot be counted. And here he says that Shaykh Abdurrahman ibn Sa'di rahimahullah has mentioned a number of them from the benefits and virtues of Tawheed and the Shahada of La ilaha illallah which cannot be achieved except by the one who makes the Tawheed of Allah in ibadah and avoids the shirk. These points are not mentioned in the handout, but quickly I'll try to go through them. It is from the book concerning the efforts and the teachings of Shaykh Abdurrahman al-Sa'adi, which was the doctor's degree of Shaykh Abdul Razak, the son of Shaykh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad. Here he mentions a number of points, and quickly from amongst them he says that of the virtues of a tawheed is that it is the greatest reason for a person to be saved from the trials and difficulties of this world as well as the trials and difficulties of the next. It is a tawheed. It is the primary and most important reason or cause for a person to be saved from the difficulties and hardships of this world and the next. And also to push away from him or to prevent from falling upon him the punishments that befall the people in this world and the punishments that will befall in the next life and we seek refuge in Allah from them all. Secondly, he said, from the virtues of a tawheed is that it removes a person's sins. يُكَفِّرُ الذنوب. At-Tawheed removes a person's sins. The third of the most important benefits of At-Tawheed is that it prevents a person from remaining in the hellfire eternally 
even if that person has the least amount of iman and tawheed in their heart, even the one who has the least amount, they will not be able to remain in the hellfire eternally. Even if they committed sins for which they deserve to be punished in the hellfire, but they will never be able to remain in the hellfire forever as long as they died with even the least bit of iman in their heart, believing in Allah alone. And number four, that if that person has the complete faith in a tawheed in his heart, then this tawheed would prevent the person from entering the fire at all. Yani this tawheed would prevent the person from ever entering the fire. If they died with that perfect iman and tawheed that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls upon us to have in our hearts. Also, the person who has this tawheed, it will enable him or earn him perfect guidance and perfect safety and security in this life and in the next. And it is the means to guidance and safety and security in this world and in the next life. Also, it is the very reason through which a person can earn the pleasure of Allah and His reward. It is through Tawheed. As-sabab al-wahid. There is no other thing that can earn the pleasure of Allah and His reward except Tawheed. Whoever doesn't have it, they will, Allah will never be pleased with them. And Allah will not reward them in the next life. And that the most successful of the people, the most happy of the people, the people who have the greatest success and who earn the shafa'ah or the intercession of the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, are those who said, La ilaha illallah khalisan min qalbihi. Yani saying it purely from their heart. Okay, that, there's a paper there just for everyone to sign, not uh, to take, please. At the end we will use it. Also, of the greatest benefits of a Tawheed is that all actions and all speech, whether openly or secretly, the end result of it is based upon Tawheed. In order for it to be accepted or in order for it to be perfected so that the person will receive reward, it has to be based upon a Tawheed. And as to the extent that a person's Tawheed is more perfect and strong and purely for the sake of Allah, to that extent, that person, their affairs will be perfected and their reward will be completed. Also, from the virtues of Tawheed, is that it makes it easy for the person. And a Tawheed, true Tawheed in the heart of the believer, makes it easy for that person to do good. And it makes it easy for that person to avoid evil. And it gives them comfort and consolation at the time of difficulties or at the time when calamities befall them. Because the person who has in his heart al-ikhlas for Allah alone, yani pure iman and tawheed, this will reduce or will make easy for him the doing of ta'at, acts of obedience, because that tawheed will make him have the real hope and expectation of the reward of Allah which makes it easy for him to do good deeds. Because he knows that Allah will reward him and that Allah will be pleased with him. The person who has Tawheed, and likewise that person, it will be easier for him to avoid doing evil because his Tawheed will make him to know that these actions of disobedience, it will earn the displeasure of Allah and the anger of Allah and the punishment of Allah. And therefore, it will make it very easy for him to avoid committing sins and to stay away from that which is displeasing to Allah. And likewise, the person who has Tawheed, if it becomes perfected and completed in his heart, 
Allah will make that person to love Al-Iman and he will beautify Iman in their heart and he will make them to hate disbelief and wrongdoing and sin and he will make them to be of those who are guided and all of these points that he, are mentioned, that he is mentioning here he discusses in detail in the book and mentions the proofs for them but we are just and he's trying to mention them in passing likewise the person who has a Tawheed it will reduce the hardship and difficulty and fear when, when any calamity befalls him or any pain that he suffers it will be reduced by his Tawheed to the extent that his Tawheed is perfected or completed and his Iman is completed or perfected to that extent whatever hardships or difficulties he is faced with in this world his, his heart will be opened and he will be relaxed and he will be content and he will find ease in accepting and being pleased with that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed for him and if a person who has pure tawheed he knows that whatever happens in this world it is by Allah's decree and he, he knows that he is supposed to be pleased with Allah with what Allah has decreed for him also at tawheed it frees the person from the slavery to creatures and their, and their connection and being dependent upon the creatures and fearing the creatures and having hope in the creatures and doing any deeds or actions for the sake of pleasing the creatures instead of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this freedom from slavery to the creatures and connection and reliance and dependence upon them and fearing them and hoping for, for anything from them this is indeed the real honor and it is the greatest honor and status that a person can have in this world it is only through Tawheed to Allah, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this way the person will be a worshipper of Allah alone and they will, hope, they will not hope for anything from other than Allah and they will not fear anyone other than Allah and they will not turn to anyone other than Allah and in this way they will have complete and perfect success and salvation he says that these are a few of many of the benefits of a Tawheed and the virtues of La ilaha illallah and no one can achieve them except the one who understands its meaning and practices what is required by it and no one can achieve these benefits except the one who understands the meaning of La ilaha illallah the meaning of a Tawheed and then implements and enacts and practices that which is required by that Tawheed the one who says La ilaha illallah then it is required of him not to worship anything other than Allah in every type of worship that there may be whether openly or secretly whether in speech or actions or that is that which is of the heart so these are some of the things that he mentioned related to the importance of a Tawheed and these are some of the things which show the greatness of a Tawheed uh, and the need for the study for the need for this particular study of a Tawheed Likewise, concerning the book under study, the book that we are going to deal with in this course, Kitab al-Tawheed, uh, it is a very important book that has been given attention by many of the scholars since the book has been written and up until the present time. Uh, on the back page of this handout on the back page of the first page of the questionnaire study guide there are some books 
mentioning there are some uh, listing of some of the books that can that should be referred to or that will be referred to either in Arabic or in English related to our study of Kitab al-Tawheed either those books which are explanations or those books which are translations from amongst the reference books for this course related to Kitab al-Tawheed the most important of the Arabic books is or one of the most important is Taysir al-Aziz al-Hamid the Sharh of Kitab al-Tawheed which is 760 pages the explanation of this small book which is the text of Kitab al-Tawheed it has been explained by the grandson of Shaykh Muhammad Ibn Abdul Wahhab in 760 pages and this book is the book that is used as a textbook at the Islamic University of Medina for the study of Kitab al-Tawheed likewise of the important books that book which is written uh, or this book is written by Sheikh Sulaiman ibn Abdullah yani Abdullah was the son of Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahumullah and he died that is Sheikh Sulaiman the author of this book died in the year 1233 not long after his grandfather then uh, after that is Fatul Majid also a shah of Kitab al-Tawheed which is similar in length 538 pages and it is also a well known and standard book for the study of Kitab al-Tawheed, it is an excellent sharh which is somewhat uh, based upon, primarily based upon the previous book Taysir al-Aziz al-Hamid except with some deletions and some summarizing and some additions from himself uh, it is written by Shaykh Abdurrahman ibn Hassan Ali Shaykh he is also from the family of Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah and he died in the year 1285 next of the important books Yani from the more contemporary scholars closer to our time is Al-Qawl Al-Sadeed Fi Maqasid Al-Tawheed which is only 164 pages but it is a very excellent explanation of Kitab Al-Tawheed in which Shaykh Abdurrahman Ibn Nasr Al-Sa'adi Rahimahullah who died in the year 1376 uh, summarizes and mentions briefly many of the important points uh, contained in Kitab Al-Tawheed and likewise of the important books one of the most important books also dealing with the Shah Kitab al-Tawheed which is a very recent book the book Al-Qawl Al-Mufid Ala Kitab al-Tawheed which is in three volumes this is one volume it is three volumes covering more than 1,400 pages this book is written by our Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymeen Rahimahullah Allah yarhamhu rahmatan wasi'a uh, who just recently passed as we know and this book yani, we will pr perhaps refer to it from time to time but due to the length of the explanations uh, it is difficult to follow it in any case some of the points that he may mention uh, that you know, may be explained in much more detail than any place else perhaps from time to time we will refer to it and likewise from this book one of the students of Sheikh Muhammad Uthaymeen has collected or summarized in just a few pages Al-Fawaid Al-Muntaqat Min Shah Kitab Al-Tawheed This very very small book which is only 94 pages and he has summarized from chapter to chapter some of the most important points that Sheikh Muhammad Rahimahullah has mentioned in his Shah and then there's Al-Jami' Al-Farid Lil-Asila Wal-Ajwibah Ala Kitab Al-Tawheed which is 252 pages and is written by Sheikh Abdullah Ibn Jarullah Ibn Ibrahim Ali Jarullah Al-Jami' Al-Farid which is it is an explanation of Kitab al-Tawheed in question and answers. And he only mentions from chapter to chapter, 
a question that's based on the text and then the answer to it, so that the person who wants to get the essence of what is mentioned in Kitab al-Tawheed and its explanation, they will take it in question and answer form. And this is one of the most excellent ways for learning, because the question, it makes the person to focus on the point of importance, and then the answer is given so that the person leaves with clarity. And the last book that we mentioned here on the list is Al-Jadid Fi Shah Kitab Al-Tawheed, which is three small volumes. They are collected together in this one between these two covers, 350 pages by Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Aziz, uh, Al-Sulaiman Al-Qara'awi, and he is a contemporary scholar still living today. And this book, it is the basis of the translation of the Sharh of Kitab Al-Tawheed that we will use, that we will primarily refer to for the course. And the, the translation of the Sharh of Kitab Al-Tawheed that was published uh, in Riyadh, it is based upon this book Al-Jadid, Fi Shah Kitab Al-Tawheed. So we will primarily refer, we will primarily follow this book, or we'll refer to some of the other books, due to the fact that uh, it won't, there won't be a need to take many notes, since this book has been, to a great extent, translated, although not all of it is translated, but the, the important points, yani, the important sections have been translated, related to the general meaning of the verses and hadith that are mentioned by Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, and as well as the benefits that are derived from it. These are the points that he has mentioned. The translator who has translated the book has taken these points and left out some of the other sections. But in any case, uh, still, it is yani, pretty comprehensive and valuable. The first book on the English text is the book that we will use for the course, the Shark Kitab al-Tawheed, the English translation of the, yani, based upon this book, published by the International Islamic Publishing House in Riyadh, and it was translated by Sami Strouch. Uh, and we will, we will use this book uh, primarily, but we will also, as I mentioned, sometimes refer to other books. And the basis of the course will be from the English translation of this book. So most of the notes will be from this book, except the handouts that we may give. And those handouts will include questions that are not contained in the translation, questions from uh, the other books that we may refer to, and particularly to Al-Jami Al-Farid, which, which is based upon question and answer. Uh, secondly, and this book, Kitab al-Tawheed, the first book, it is really essential that anyone who is going to take the course, seriously, they should get a copy of it. Um, those who took the previous course with us, it was given as a gift to them, and those who are It is the translation of Kitab al-Tawheed, the exact translation of the text of Kitab al-Tawheed without any change. Whereas this translation, the one that we will primarily refer upon, doesn't mention the Messiah or the issues that Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab mentions at the end of every chapter. He mentions issues of importance that should be looked at based related to that chapter. In the original book, those issues are mentioned, and sometimes there are many. Sometimes there are 15, 20, or 30 issues that are mentioned. 
unfortunately, in the in uh, this book, this Sharh al-Jadid, he didn't mention the issues and therefore they are not mentioned in the translation. And for that reason, uh, those issues of importance, it is also very useful, although we can copy the pages of the Messiah from the English translation of this one. Uh, but if anyone is able to also get this book, Kitab al-Tawheed, the one that is published by Dar Salam Publications, then it will also be useful. And also it can be used as a comparison of the translations because there are many, many mistakes in the translations, in all of them, without exception. Though some of them, the translation of Maktaba Dar is Salaam is, is uh, good, and the translation that we'll be primarily referring upon is also pretty good, um, but still there are mistakes, and therefore a comparison of the translations and the notes that we'll make as we go along to correct those problems, inshallah, uh, is, is, it's important to pay attention to that. The third book mentioned here is Kitab Tawheed, the same book, the original, the first translation which is done, which is in 191 pages, translated by Dr. Ismail Raji Al-Faruqi, who is a professor uh, of Middle Eastern Studies at Temple University in Philadelphia, Palestinian by birth, who has a PhD degree, and he was the head of a department of Middle Eastern Studies in American University, uh, which, and, he clar which and he makes it clear that, in fact, not only was he able to understand the Arabic of this book being an Arab, but he was also yani, well-versed in the English language. However, unfortunately, um, and Allah knows, only knows why, his translation of this book is a very dangerous translation, and people should avoid it, because uh, many, many, many serious mistakes are, in the, are included in the translation, and at times it appears as though it might even be intentional. In any case, we have mentioned it here, and we said it is an extremely bad translation in order to warn you from it, not to encourage you to get it. Also, the, the two other books under Kitab al-Tawheed are related to the biography of the author, Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, his life and mission, which is a very small book in 47 pages, and it is the translation that of, a, of the text of the words of Sheikh Abdul Aziz ibn Abdul Ibn Baz rahimahullah concerning the life of Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab. If that book, if we can get it from Maktab al-Dar al-Salam also will be very, very useful due to the fact that Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, uh, due to the greatness of his work in calling to a tawheed and a sunnah has been slandered and lied against and his image has been distorted in many places in the Muslim world, particularly by the enemies of Islam and the enemies of a tawheed and the sunnah. Therefore, it is of and important that we should know about his life and in some detail. The second book mentioned concerning his biography, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, his life and reformatory movement, is a larger book in 219 pages by Sheikh ibn Hajjah ibn Muhammad al-Butami, who was a great scholar. He was the judge in the high court of Sharia here in Qatar, uh, and he is a well-known scholar in this country. Um, he also wrote a very extensive book concerning the life of Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, and that book may be difficult to find, but if anyone can find it, it is also very, very useful. And finally, the final references that we mention here are references to other books dealing with Tawheed, and they are also very, very useful. The first of them is Kitab Tawheed by Sheikh Salih Al-Fawzan, translated by Mahmoud Murad in 159 pages. It is an excellent book dealing with Tawheed. It is not the same book of Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, though the title is the same. It's a completely different book, but it's an excellent book. Uh, and the translation is also relatively good. Secondly, 
Mubadi al-Tawheed, the fundamentals of Tawheed in 213 pages by Dr. Abu Amin Bilal Phillips, which is the first book that I know of that was written concerning Tawheed in English based upon the Quran and authentic Sunnah and the understanding of the righteous predecessors, the Salaf al-Salih. Likewise, there's a small book in 33 pages, Allah's rights, right upon his servants, Tawheed versus Shirk by Dr. Muhammad al-Jibali, which though it is small in size also is a very useful and good book. And finally, the basics of Tawheed part 1 in 56 pages by Dr. Salih, as Salih it should be, um, which is also a very, very good book, but it's a basic book. I and mean, perhaps it is really more so directed towards younger people. In any case, it's a book related to Tawheed that is very good, and it is correct in its approach and its understanding and presentation of a Tawheed. Uh, in the final moments before closing, I just want to look briefly at the biography of Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab. Uh, and we have a handout here, which you can take and refer to later. So we will just look at it quickly. Uh, he is Sheikh al-Islam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, a renowned reviver, a mujaddid, and a great reformer. His birth and lineage, he was born in 1115 of the Hijra in the city of Uyayna, 70 kilometers north of Riyadh, in the capital of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. He belonged to a highly respectable and scholarly family. His father, Sheikh Abdul Wahhab ibn Suleiman, characterized by his profound scholarship and righteousness, inherited an exalted status from his ancestor, Sheikh Suleiman ibn Ali, the chief of the scholars and well-versed in teaching, writing, and giving verdict. Then they talk about his education and his study of tafsir and hadith and fiqh. His primary education was from his father in his native land, and after that he also uh, studied many of the books of the early scholars, and particularly those books of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, and his noble disciple al-Allama ibn Qayyim. And he went through all of those books and well grasped the contents. On attaining the age of maturity, he set out to perform Hajj to Mecca and derive benefits from the scholars there. Then he proceeded to Al-Madina and met the learned scholars there uh, and adopted the studentship of two renowned erudite scholars, that is, Sheikh Abdullah ibn Ibrahim ibn Sa'id and Najdi and Sheikh Muhammad Hayat al Sindi. For a long period of time, he stayed and studied with them. Uh, and then he went also to further pursue his studies to Al-Iraq, Basra, and he also got much benefit there. Then they talked about the conditions in Nech at that time in that part of the Arabian Peninsula. Uh, and it primarily, and it consisted of many, many un-Islamic practices, including all types of shirk and innovations, worship of graves and trees and stones and caves and evil spirits and so on. And even the worldly ulama of that time and of those places used to encourage the people uh, and mislead them in these things. It was in this condition that Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, rahimahullah, and he came to the people after his study uh, and started his mission of calling the people to a tawheed and the sunnah. And here in the biography it mentions uh, something related to his mission of calling people primarily to tawheed and sunnah and warning the people against shirk and bid'ah uh, and relying upon the Quran and authentic hadith. And then it mentions his traveling to Uyayna and meeting the Emir of Uyayna and being accepted by him and starting his da'wah there until one of the other Emirs who was, was much, much more powerful than the Emir of Uyayna uh, warned and threatened him from allowing the Sheikh to stay with him. At that point, it was, he was encouraged to leave. So he left from Uyayna and went to Dir'iyya 
where he was also welcomed and accepted by a very powerful emir in that place, uh, where he settled in and began to call the people again to the Quran and Sunnah, and it became a center of learning and the center of his da'wah, uh, and in this place his da'wah was established. Then he began to write to the rulers in the various parts of the Arabian Peninsula and outside even of the Arabian Peninsula, the rulers and scholars, and calling the people to this mission of the invitation to the Tawheed, the pure Tawheed and the Sunnah. And then he mentions his death, uh, that the Shaykh dedicated his whole life for this Dao and Jihad with his utmost sincerity and with the help of Muhammad ibn Saud and his son Abdul Aziz, the rulers of Dir'iyah, and he breathed his last on the last day of the month of Dhul Qa'ada in the year 1206 or 1792 of the, of the uh, Gregorian calendar. Then concerning the impact of his da'wah, and this is very, very important, uh, this is the next to the last point, as a result of the continued da'wah, and this should be an example for us and an inspiration to us, he was a man who started in a place where shirk and bid'ah was, had encompassed the land, and no one was calling to tawheed and sunnah, yet he did his work sincerely for the sake of Allah and Allah made him successful. What was the impact of his da'wah? As a result of the continued da'wah and vigorous struggle and jihad in the way of Allah, jihad with arms for a long period of about 50 years from 1158 until 1206 a complete victory over the entire Nej, that, that section of the Arabian Peninsula was gained. People abandoned worshipping graves and tombs and shrines and trees and all the more they deserted all of them and practiced the pure faith of Islam. Likewise, blind following of their forefathers and ancestors and traditions in vogue, which was widespread at that time, was abandoned and the Sharia, the Sharia was revived and established and obligatory duties were being observed in the light of the Quran and Sunnah. Uh, then he goes on to say, يعني, after the death of the Shaykh, his sons and grandsons and his students and supporters continue, continued the work of Dawah and Jihad in the way of Allah and amongst his sons, the most ardent of uh, the most ardent of them in these activities was Shaykh Imam Abdullah ibn Muhammad. He is the father of the author of Tayseer al-Aziz al-Hamid. Uh, and Shaykh Hassan al-Hussein uh, ibn Muhammad and Shaykh Ali ibn Muhammad and Shaykh Ibrahim ibn Muhammad. And among his grandsons was Shaykh Abdurrahman ibn Hassan, Shaykh Ali ibn Hassan, Shaykh Sulaiman ibn Abdullah. All of them continuing in the same path of the da'wah of Tawheed and Sunnah and Jihad fi Sabirillah and even other of his students besides them, many of them from the scholars of Dir'iyah and others continued to engage the people in calling them to Allah's true religion and writing and publishing books and fighting for the cause of Allah and making correspondence in this regard. So this is an inspiration seeing the success of someone who started out against overwhelming odds but yet by the help of Allah and due to his ikhlas and sincerity in calling people to the true deen and the sunnah Allah made him successful and until today we see the effect of this da'wah not only in the Arabian Peninsula but it has spread throughout the world and we find that the scholars all over the world today are calling to this sunnah, the people of sunnah are calling to the da'wah of tawheed and sunnah. From amongst his works and there are many is the book which we are going to study Kitab al-Tawheed and likewise Kitab al-Kabair which deals with the major sins which is different from the book of uh, Al-Imam al-Zahabi Kashf al-Shubahat, Mukhtasar Sirat al-Rasul, a brief seerah of the Prophet sallallahu al-Iman, Fadal al-Quran, which has been translated into English, Fadal al-Quran, Fadal al-Islam, Majmu al-Hadith, Mukhtasar al-Insaf, 
والشرح الكبير and أصول الثلاثة which has also been translated into English and likewise the شرح of أصول الثلاثة by Sheikh Muhammad bin Salih Uthaymin رحمه الله has also been translated into English and Adab al-Mashi ila salat which I think has been translated into English it is as though I have seen it uh, which deals with the things that a Muslim should attend to in related to the salat going to it and participating in it and uh, two other books that are not mentioned here is the Mukhtasar Gad al-Ma'ad by uh, Al-Allama ibn Qayyim he has also did a summary or Mukhtasar that book in one volume in Al-Qawaid al-Arba'ah the four principles which is also translated into English these are some of the uh, some of the books of Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab Rahimahullah before closing inshallah or after the Adhan if we can just briefly look at a few words related to the biography of the Sharih the one who has explained the book Kitab Tawheed the one that we will be relying upon and then yani, we will close Uh, the biography of the Mu'allif or the author of this explanation that we'll primarily be relying upon is Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdulaziz al-Sulaiman al-Qara'awi he is from the tribe of Anaza he was born in the city of Uneza in the area called Al-Qasim in the Arabian Peninsula in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia in the year 1353 Dani, close to the time of the birth of Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen a few years after him on the 24th of Ramadan uh, and he studied in those schools where the children used to study he learned the Quran and some of the other sciences of Sharia Arabic language and then he was admitted to the Mahad Mahad al-Ilmi in Uneza, which is the religious institute which continues until today in Saudi Arabia he was, he was admitted into that institute which is a high school level institution in the year 1377 and he graduated from it in the year 1381 then he was admitted to the College of Sharia in Riyadh uh, and then he graduated from there in the year 1385 He also worked as a judge from the time he graduated from the College of Sharia uh, for approximately two years and after that he began to work as a teacher in the Wizarat al-Ma'arif, the Ministry of Education and he continues until today working as a teacher in Mahad and Noor in the city of Uneza in the area of Qasim um, this is يعني, a brief biography concerning the explainer, the sharih of this book, Kitab al-Tawheed. And uh, he is presently working as a teacher and writing and involved in a da'wah. So this is the end of what we wanted to mention today. Uh, it is important though that we look at the questions and that if it is possible, these questions should be uh, answered in writing the definition of a Tawheed as well as the mention of its divisions the three divisions of Tawheed with a brief explanation what is 
why or why is a tawheed important? What is the importance of a tawheed? Why is the study of a tawheed important? What is the title of the book under study? And what is the title of the book which we are studying? What is the name of the author, including his father and grandfather? What is his date of birth or death? I need to know the time period of the author. What time period did he live in? And mention the mention of some of the books or two of the titles of his books of Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab rahimahullah. And finally, what was the author's main mission during his lifetime? These questions, everyone should be able to answer from the discussion that we had this evening. And it will be based upon these questions that we will make the examination, or the examinations, if we will have more than one. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, ashadu an la ilaha illa anta, astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. الحمد لله